0: You're listening to the Quince podcast.
1: In a series of twists and turns, India's recent goose chase to extradite fugitive diamond tyer Mihul Choksi ended in the gutter as the CBI and MA team failed to return home with the scamster. To bring you up to speed, Mehul Choksi and his nephew Nirav Modi are the key accused in the Rs. 13,400 crore Punjab National Bank Scam of 2017. Both fled India in January of 2018 before the CBI could file a case against them and have been absconding arrest since. While Choksi wasn't wanted by Indian authorities and even had Interpol warrants against him, he was staying in the Caribbean country of Antigua and Barbuda, of which he gained a citizenship in November 2017. But the recent action began on 23rd May when it was reported that Choksi was detained by the police in the island country of Dominica on charges of entering the country illegally on a boat. A multi-agency Indian team also travelled to Dominica on 28th May after hearing the news of his arrest there. They went there to provide documentation regarding his criminal history and warrants. However, the twist in the story comes on the reasons given by Choksi's lawyer and his wife for his presence in Dominica. Both have alleged that a woman named Barbara invited Choksi to her house in Antigua, where he was ambushed by a team of abductors, who then forced him into a boat and then carried him to Dominica. Choksi's lawyer have also filed a habeas corpus petition in the Dominican High Court. A bail hearing for the same has been adjourned to 9 June. So, did the Indian team jump the gun in flying to Dominica? How will these allegations of abductions and escape play up in the case against Choksi? What is India's case of bringing him back? and what are the legal hurdles for extraditing him. To help me navigate the extradition process and the case, for today's episode, I spoke with Rupin Sharma, a 1992 batch IPS officer and the author of the book Extradition. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Emmat. To answer the riddle of how Mehul Choksi landed up in Antigua, let's dial back the clock to November of 2017. Choksi applied for an Antiguan citizenship under the country's Citizenship by Investment program, which, in a nutshell, allows wealthy foreign investors to acquire citizenships by making a large economic contribution to the country. Now, since he fled India in January 2018 with his nephew Nirav Modi after the PNB scam reports came to light, Indian authorities have been trying to extradite him to India. However, as a citizen of Antigua, he can appeal the extradition order, which he did. But his number of appeals are now exhausted. This leads us to his alleged escape or as his wife claims abduction. What happened there? Authorities believe that Choksi intended to escape to Cuba to avoid being extradited to India since Cuba has no extradition agreement with India. Barbara, the woman I mentioned earlier, in an interview with ANI on 9 June stated that Choksi had a plan to visit Cuba. In the ANI interview, she said and I quote, He never used words like escape or shared with me such a plan like this. However, he did ask me twice if I had ever been to Cuba. He also told me that next time we may meet in Cuba. He never explained the escape plan, but I am certain that Dominica is not his final destination. But if you ask my opinion, I can be more and more certain that Cuba could have been his final destination." Barbara's comments strengthen the theory that Choksi was planning to escape to Cuba. But, How did he end up in Dominica? Antiguan Prime Minister Brown claimed that Choksi may have taken Barbara on a romantic trip to Dominica where he was caught. However, Choksi's wife and his lawyers have rebushed this theory and have made sensational claims that the woman involved in the case is part of an Indian operation, that she honey trapped him and abducted him with the help of 8-10 to people who brutally beat him up and bundled him to Dominica. While this claim has not received any confirmation or denial from Indian authorities, in a recent interview with India Today on 8 June, Barbara revealed that she is not Choksi's girlfriend, knew him only by the name Raj and was not aware of his history. So, what now? What happens to Choksi? Well, his lawyers have moved the Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court in the Dominican High Court with the abduction claim and have asked him to be sent back to Antigua. So, what does Choksi gain from proving that he was actually abducted in Antigua? According to his lawyers, this gives him the chance to move the Interpol and challenge the Red Notice against him on grounds of a political witch hunt, which may turn the tables in his favour of not being extradited to India. But, hours after the Dominican Home Ministry on 27th May stated that they would repatriate Choksi to Antigua following verification of his Antiguan citizenship, the High Court restricted the government to extradite him. The process got further complicated after Antiguan Prime Minister Brown announced that Choksi will not be accepted back into the country and should instead be returned to his home country of India. Although it's important to note that this move could be politically motivated as well, since the Antiguan PM had also alleged that Choksi was funding the opposition party in Antigua. And in all this tussle in the Caribbean, an eight member team from India, consisting of MEA and CBI officials, landed in a private jet in Dominica on 28th May to extradite Choksi. Now, this is where India's rationale to extradite Choksi comes in. India has alleged that Choksi is still an Indian citizen and not a citizen of Antigua as claimed by him. Given the fact that India does not allow dual citizenship, how is it possible that Choksi is still an Indian citizen? What is India's case for nabbing Choksi exactly? Rupin Sharma, a 1992 batch IPS officer, weighs in on the citizenship laws which India is citing to extradite Choksi.
0: As per Indian citizenship uh, laws, Indian nationals can only be a citizen of India. They cannot acquire a citizenship of any other country, which means the dual citizenship is prohibited. And Apparently, the law says that if you acquire a citizenship of any other countries uh, or any other country, your citizenship automatically stands revoked. Now, if, if that is the position, if, if that is the position, then I would say that his uh, citizenship of that country would stand and Indian citizenship would probably be revoked. However, that's not a, a cut and dry simple case because uh, firstly, it is how he has submitted the papers for revocation of Indian citizenship. If there is a fraud in that, this is a, there is a misrepresentation of facts in that that could easily be called in that he is committed a fraud to, say, forego his citizenship. Okay, That could be a various... Uh, that could be by various means. It, means. it could it could be a simple thing like he's bribed someone to get a citizenship revoked or something done very quickly. So it's, It could be misrepresentation of facts or um, commission of a crime to get a citizenship revoked or get his papers processed, something like that. So that is the first aspect. The second aspect which is currently pending in Antigua which, which should, I think, bother us more at this moment, although we claim that he's still a citizen of India. Uh, however, if Indian laws say that he's not a citizen, if he acquired citizenship of any other country, we need to have a look at the Antiguan law. He has acquired Antiguan citizenship, but as per what is available in the public domain, the the Antiguan government has served him on notice that he has acquired that citizenship by misrepresentation. Now, if if he has misrepresented facts to the Antiguan government, then I would suggest, I, I think it is appropriate that government of india should request antiguan government to forthwith revoke his uh antiguan citizenship if the facts uh, based on which he's not uh, which he's uh, used to uh, obtain the citizenship are incorrect so once that citizenship is revoked he falls back to being an indian citizen and that also substantiates in a way our case that is he has probably misrepresented to india also i think another thing which is which can be brought into play is at a uh, probably not at a legal level, but at like uh, at a practical level of how someone is trying to hoodwink the law. Uh, if he was to be an Indian citizenship, it will be easier for us to catch up with him. But just by giving up his Indian citizenship, he is trying to hoodwink the law. So that that goes in our favor, even without the legality of whether he's an Indian citizenship, Indian citizen or not. If he's well, Deliberately wanting to give up an Indian citizenship so that he can acquire of someone, some other country. Since obviously there is a malafide intent in his mind that he wants to evade the Indian laws and Indian citizenship. So that should go in our favor. Citizenship is an important element uh, only under two conditions. First is for the case of deportation. And in deportation, deportation normally takes place to two places. One is the country from where the person has last entered. So when, which means in this case, uh, currently he's in Dominica, he would probably be deported to uh, Antigua. The other aspect is he could be deported to the country of which he's a citizen. Now. Currently, he is a citizen of Antigua. We are not able to prove substantially to, if we are not able to prove substantially to uh, Dominicans that he is an Indian national, and also if Antigua does not contest it or someone does not contest it, then it becomes easier for us to say he is an Indian national. But if he contests, and if someone contests on his behalf, then he is not an Indian citizenship probably in the eyes of law. The issue of citizenship is important for the issue of, uh, for the purpose of deportation because if he were to be an Indian citizen, citizen, he would come back to India. Now, the citizenship issue is important for another reason also, which is not applicable in this case, but it is important for another reason. Now, that is that there are certain countries which do not allow extradition of their own nationals, which means, say, uh, for example, I think some of the Arab countries, including Saudi Arabia, probably don't, uh, don't allow extradition of their own nationals. Now, if... Choksi had obtained citizenship of Saudi Arabia, hypothetically, then he would not be able to uh, come back to India, neither extradite nor deported. But in this case, in this case, that is not the case because Dominica being a, a Commonwealth country, and I, I don't think it, their laws say that he cannot be, uh, and or Antiguan laws also don't say that uh, Antiguan citizens cannot be uh, extradited. Their citizens can be extradited. So is the case with Indian citizens. So Indian citizens committing crime anywhere in the world can be extradited to those countries. Similarly, from Antigua, this person can come back to India. So citizenship is only important under two circumstances. And both of them currently uh, uh, are sort of not in our favor in the sense that on paper, he, he possesses a, a Antiguan citizenship. And if he disputes an Indian nationality, then probably on the, on the face of the paperwork that he has, he'll be able to prove it faster so the option for us is to request the antiguan government not to only tell dominicans that send him back to india but to first revoke his citizenship and send him back but that's also that is also likely to get into legal wrangles because even if antigua uh, revokes his citizenship through an executive order through the prime minister's order or anything this fellow will still go to some court high court or supreme court or whichever court is the concerned court. So he'll probably get a stay-order there also. So that is going to be a, I mean, it's going to be a tricky task. So I personally feel that extradition processes uh, in this case is, is a better option. It is a safer option.
1: As we stated earlier, India currently has no extradition arrangement with Dominica. However, as Mr. Sharma states, provisions under the Commonwealth framework can apply when the judicial process is completed which may lead to Dominican government extraditing joksi to India. Mr. Sharma suggests that India should continue to pursue extradition proceedings in Antigua and Dominica. According to him, if citizenship hangs in balance, then it does not prevent Dominica from extraditing any person to a country where he or she has committed a crime.
0: Okay, what happens in extradition is that a treaty or an arrangement, an extradition treaty or an arrangement uh, is a prerequisite to extradition. However, it is not an essential prerequisite to extradition. There also we can divide it into two parts. One is the bilateral treaties or arrangements which obviously as of now India apparently doesn't seem to have with Dominica. However, India and Dominica are likely to be members of many multilateral treaties and arrangements on uh, money laundering or or, uh, uh, financial crimes or corruption or any such uh, uh, things. Now, uh, we could call them, those international treaties into uh, play because there, if India is a signatory and if Dominica is also a signatory, then automatically we become treaty partners. So that is that is the option uh, legally. Even in the absence of an extradition treaty, uh, the absence of an extradition treaty does not mean that a person cannot be extradited. Uh, It depends on uh, uh, what is called reciprocity in such matters, whether uh, India can promise that in similar case, Dominica or any other country for that matter would be able to honor uh, their request if we have a request, if they request uh, something from us. So, that's a slightly tricky issue in the sense that it is difficult to equate as to in which cases uh, the reciprocity will be ensured. For example, whether we will ensure a a reciprocity of a murder case where there is a murder request from India and a murder request from uh, Dominica, or a rape case from India and a rape case from uh, Dominica. And even in financial crimes like this, whether we will, if we are seeking reciprocity for for an offense which is of, say, thousand crore rupees but dominica seeks an extradition of someone from india for say 100 crore rupees whether we will learn that or not but those are um, nitty-gritties i think reciprocity can be a basis for extradition uh, uh, even without a treaty however i would suggest that uh which uh, i think the ministry of external affairs would probably be always uh, already doing it uh they, they could have a look at the various treaty databases that india has signed uh, especially the multilateral treaty, uh, treaties where uh, I'm sure Dominica would be a part of some of them. Or if not an initial signatory, Dominica would have signed in later on or ex um, uh given its assent to the treaties. Even if there is even if there is no connection, it can still go ahead. That is not an issue.
1: But despite India's efforts, it does not seem like JOXI is going to be extradited anytime soon. The multi-agency team sent to Dominica after being stationed there for seven days has also come back according to a recent report by PTI. Mr. Sharma believes that while criminals like Choksi have evaded the system, it's time that India fixes these cracks and loopholes in the system to prevent future criminals evading justice. He suggests that the centre should further strengthen its centralised division which directly cooperates with the Interpol, has representatives from the MEA, MHA, a legal division to ensure the process runs smoothly and quickly if the situation arises in the future.
0: See, there are systems already in place. I am not saying there are systems not in place, but those fix, those systems don't uh, really work in coordination uh, uh, at a sort of a preventive stage. Most of the systems start when, uh, start coming into play at a much later stage uh, when we say that a person has run away and when we are really, really after someone. You know, as I wrote in Quint also that my estimation is that around 25,000 Indian criminals would be there who are not in India. It, i mean that that includes people who committed crimes in india and are abroad who've run away like mr chokshi or nirav modi or xyz or there are people who are committing crimes against india from abroad which is like cyber crimes and or financial frauds from abroad so this is a huge number now this number currently if if we look at number of there are two parameters basically on which we can judge the uh, volume of uh, extradition matters or international cooperation matters Uh, that we have, or rather three parameters. Uh, First is the red corner notices. Okay. The second is the extradition uh, requests. And third is the mutual legal assistance treaty matters. Okay. Now, the red corner notices, uh, again, are of two types. One which we have got issued and the other which the other countries have got issued including for other countries, including India. It's a notice which is sent to every country. So, anyone who finds a person can say that, okay, we found it. Do you want him right now or not? So similarly, India is also, I I would presume that I'm not having the correct figures, but I think India's number of red corner notices currently would be about 1000, maybe not more than 1000. I I don't know the exact figure, but should be not more than 1000. Now, when I'm saying that the current number of wanted people in India would be around 25,000 and the number of red corner notices is any parameter it's just 1 upon 25 which is just about 4% of the total number of criminals that are absconding from indian law who are actually somewhere under the indian radar one i mean it's not even 4% in fact 0.4% or 4% one out of uh, 1000 out of 25000 so just about 4% criminals of india or wanted by indian agencies are actually being sought after by the country. Arrest, it's either because the investigating agencies don't know the processes or what is to be done, or they are never even, I mean, they are not on the radar for various reasons, including investigation. So if red corner notices is to be the only parameter, then it is just about 4% of the criminals who are under our radar by any means. If the second parameter would be the number of extradition requests which India has sent, that extradition request would be, I mean, I would... I would suspect that that would not be even current number of ongoing extradition requests where India has made to any other country would not be more than 50. I would be surprised if it is 100. It will be just in two figures, two two digits. So if you you look at it again that way, that out of 25,000 criminals who are probably wanted, just about 100 extradition requests are being uh, currently processed. For various reasons, which means like it's a very, it's like the criminal thinks that he has that impunity to go anywhere and he will get away from law. So the third aspect is the mutual legal assistance. Mutual legal assistance uh, requests or letters rogatory are requests for investigations. They are not necessarily for extradition or for red corner notices or anything, but they are for investigations abroad. Okay, so those requests, so that could be another sort of parameter to judge how many cases of international investigation or international cooperation are pending with various countries. That figure would, I think that figure would also not be in excess of 1,000 requests. And this is not 1,000 requests in the last one year, I'm saying. It's a cumulative number of requests for the past, say, uh, 25 years or something. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is that the number of cases which are currently getting our attention, the government's attention is miniscule as compared to the actual number of cases which are there. Now, and this, mind you, this is what, this is what, I'm saying is just our request abroad. There is a large number of requests which comes from other countries to us also, which I have never factored in. So I, I, I have a feeling that there should be, as I said, that there should be an international cooperation division, which should bring representatives from all the agencies and all the government departments concerned into one place where they can backward integrate with their own state or with, with their own police forces, investigate, and then we could have a dedicated sort of a fugitive tracking wing in the uh, in that agency, which would, which whose only work is to track fugitives abroad, follow up the extradition request from abroad uh, uh, abroad to other countries, investigations abroad uh, to be followed up by uh, that agency, and also incoming requests in all these matters.
1: As of now, it seems like India's best chance of getting Choksi back is to convince the Dominican High Court that it has a strong legal case against him, that he is a fugitive. And what seems like the biggest task to prove that he is still an Indian citizen. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Geo and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website, and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequinn.com.